welcome to the Retro Blood. Can you believe this? It's Christmas Eve, and we got orders to bring in Santa Claus. Cindy, if uh, you don't go back to bed, Santa won't come. He's not the only one. What you might get up to? All those kitties sitting on your knee all day? I'd love to have you sitting on my knee. Christmas carolers. I hate Christmas carolers. Screeching voice, no blue sniffers. I warned you, Brad! Mommy, you shouldn't have said that. It's naive to say bad things about old people. Santa Claus will punish you. Carpet day! No! Don't! It's gonna hurt our kids. We're not even sure it's him. Not sure my ass. Look at the fur on that suit. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood as we continue. This journey into 1980s holiday horror. Up next, if y'all like killer cars that are kind of like like night, you know, like like Night Raider, but like not like Night Raider. You know what I mean? The nice, the the evil version. All right. What the hell? Okay. Well, you never seen Night Rider before? I've seen Night Rider, but that's a that's huh? a weird comparison to make. Yeah, you know, okay. I mean, this one didn't Fine. talk, but it's like that. If y'all like. Nerds who want to have sex with their cars when they get cool and don't care about their women. Yeah. Which is, that's actually a real thing. I've seen it with my own two eyes. It is a real thing. Yeah. If y'all like uh, old dudes that that run a a garage shop that were the best part of this movie, then this is the (laughs) movie for you because the Retro Blood is talking all about Christine. Christine. It's alive. Christine's alive. It is alive. John Carpenter's so, <laughs> Christine, J. Allison, James Klein. What are you going to say, Allison? What's happening? What's up, man? So, yeah, so another another great holiday horror season here at the uh, the old Retro Blood. Um, <clears throat> so I've never seen this movie. Um, oh, I thought I had. I, I know I haven't. Um, I had never seen this movie. Um, I have read the book. Oh, okay. We got the book um, back. But I was going to ask you about that. I too. did. I read the book. Uh, yeah, we, I can talk about the book a little bit. It's been a long time since I've read it, but I can talk about it a little bit. So there are some quite a few differences. Um, so it's weird. So this was the only John Carpenter movie I've never seen. Interesting. Isn't that really strange? Like I've seen every movie the man's ever made except this one, apparently. Well, hey, now so, you because if I've seen this, I don't remember it. I remember yeah. the trailer. Yeah. And and I think that I thought I'd seen it because I'd seen the trailer so many times. Um, also 1983, this is a very vivid year in my life. So I remember this time period specifically, Yeah, like when this movie was out, I remember when this movie was in theaters. I remember when a lot of the other stuff we're going to talk about happened. Um, but yeah, so this is a very vivid time for me. So this is a really cool movie for us to do. And I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, like, like I was saying the last couple episodes, you know, this is our third annual Holiday Horror 1980s month. But we're kind of doing like a little slim pickings here. Because <laughs> we've already yeah. done like the ones that mostly have like the killer Santas and everything. But you know, this yeah. movie did get released around holiday Christmas time. And it did have it did. a couple Christmas scenes in it. Most of them probably got deleted. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. <All> right. 
<laughs> but it, they, and it's, they, it took place around Christmas. Yeah, and and this one too. Look, when they're doing promotion for the film, it was in a Christmas parade, so that counts as well too. Yeah. So, but like you were saying with the John Carpenter, you know, you know the retro. But we have done. I, I feel like we have like a catalog of his movies so far that we've done for the three years um, that we've been doing this podcast because we have done most of his mm-hmm. movies. I don't think we have done all of them yet in the eighties, but we have done most of them. Yeah, well, I actually checked. So we have he did eight movies in the nineteen eighties, and we've done four of them. Nice. Well, there you go, half. There you go. Um, and um, one of them, well, a couple of them don't fit our theme, so I don't know if we'll ever do those or not. Because um, he also made um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Um, and he made Starman. Well, you know, maybe we'll have um, an off month. You know what I mean? Well, actually, so wait, he did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And we've done one after tonight. We will have done one, two, three, four. One of the other ones we're definitely going to do. So we'll have done five of them. And then that would leave Starman and Big Trouble in Little China for us to have done yeah. and Escape from New York. Yeah. And of course, so we, could, we could fit us. We could fit Escape from New York into uh, into the theme of the show, probably. Yeah, we'll fit it in there, brother. You know what I mean? Mm. You know what I mean? Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll add the snake, the snake man himself in there. No problem. Luckily, we don't have to do 90s movies so that we don't have to do memoirs of an invisible man. Yeah, we ain't doing the 90s uh, shit yet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it has, it has <laughs> Chevy Chase in it. So this is uh, definitely not uh, yeah, definitely not something we would be doing. But anyway. But anyway, this we're one... We're not there yet. We're this, in the 80s. Yeah, this, yeah we're, we're, we're getting there. But this one is pretty interesting, though. Like, I can't wait to talk about it when we do the Who booked this shit. Because, yeah. like, this is like a, a collab of, like, Stephen, Stephen King people and mm-hmm. John Carpenter kind of, like, mixed into one of how they, like, pr- you know, mm-hmm. produce this movie and everything. And, um, you know, apparently, like they were saying before, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about it, because I never read the book, surprisingly. Okay. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I think we're all. Sh- well, I'm sure we're all shocked. Yeah, they're all shocked that I didn't read the book. Okay, <laughs> but I, but I was like, you know what? I bet you. <laughs> while I was watching this, and they were talking about the book the whole time. I was like, you know what? I bet that Allison. I bet he fucking read that fucking book. He probably had the hard the cover book. and the soft cover, brother. Okay, he probably had both of them. <laughs> <laughs> back then, back then, I only had the soft cover, but I think I have a hard cover now. Yeah, because I'm. I'm kind of going back and collecting all of the uh, first edition Stephen King hardcovers that I can find. Yeah. But this one definitely is going to be a fun one. This is, to me, this is a little different than like your normal, like John Carpenter experimental style movie, but I still liked it. So, but like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it. But we got to continue the tradition there, Allison, mm-hmm. of what holiday beer are you drinking this week? So, um,. I am drinking. I moved away from the North Carolina beers this this, this week, and I am drinking the uh, Samuel Adams annual Christmas beer that they call Old Fezziwig, oh, yeah. which is named after it's named after a character in um, a Christmas Carol. Yes. So Fezziwig was like the, uh, I believe he was the guy that was trying to get Scrooge to enjoy a Christmas. I need to read this book, that book again, because did it's you do it with beer? But anyway, it's like a, it, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, so they named the beer after him. Um, it's a spiced brown ale, so it's kind of like uh, 
Ninja Brand Man that we talked about. Yeah. But Ninja Brand Man is a porter. So, um, but this is a brown ale, and I'm going to open it here. Uh, it'll probably sound like a fart, but it's a bottle, so we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's one of those silent but deadly night. Uh, silent, uh, uh, silent but deadly. Silent but, silent but deadly night, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the sequel we're going to make to a, a silent night, deadly night. Yeah, there you go. It's all about farting instead. Yeah, but that's good, man. Like I, I a weird bottle opener. I uh, I stuck to my traditional holiday beer that I pretty much talked about every year on this podcast around this time. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've done it yet this year, but I can't remember. This 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 month has been a crazy month for yours truly. But I didn't have enough time to go out and, and experiment a new beer. But I am gonna to I am going to experiment a new beer on the podcast next week when we do our Christmas episode. But I stay with my true holiday beer that I drink all the time, and I can drink this beer mm-hmm. nonstop. It's, of course, from my homeland of Texas, brother. I got the Shiner Holiday Cheer. Fucking yeah, brother. Oh, yes. Now, around here, where, I'm, where we're living at, in North Carolina, brother, they don't have the mm-hmm. bottled version of Holiday Cheer, which is my preferred way of drinking it. If it's not out of a tap, okay. tap is always my favorite. But if it's not of course, out of a tap, bottle is, is there. So they have the can one. The can one's okay. You know what I mean? But I prefer either the tap or the bottle. Because, man, if I had this shit on tap, I'd probably be uh, fucked up. That's for sure. <laughs> but this but, one's uh, good. What is it? Uh, t- I was about to say, what's the taste like in it? Like, okay, it, so uh... this one's kind of an interesting one. So it's not it's not like a stout or anything like that. It's not like heavy. It uh, the, the some of the ingredients is it has uh, peaches and pecans in it, so it's a little bit of peachy and a little bit of pecan yeah. at the same time. So it's uh, it's just a nice like beer. Like it's it's kind of one of those beers where you can drink it and it it tastes like if you like pecan. Like I'm a really big pecan guy. Like that's actually my favorite. Yeah, I, I like pecan everything. <clears throat> pecan pie. Just feed me all the pecan brothers. And I'm actually a pretty good uh, peaches guy too. I'm actually not allergic to them. And that's actually one of the mm-hmm. um, flavors, like one of the only flavors I drink when it comes to energy drinks is like a peach flavor. Um, so, the, so that's why I like this one so much because they kind of mix the both of them together. And, you know, that way, the, the, the problem with this beer is that to me, it tastes so good and it's not like heavy or anything. It's not like heavy. It's not too bitter or anything like that. So it goes down very smooth and easy. But you can give yourself a little trouble because you'll keep wanting to drink it and drink it and drink it. And next thing you know, you're fucked up. So you got to be a little careful with this one out here. Yeah, because it's, it's very smooth with the peach and the pecan. Yeah, um, yeah I've had it great. once before. Mm-hmm. I've had it once before, and I did, did like it. I think it's a good beer. It's yeah. just very it, – um, for my palate and from where I'm from, uh, which is here, um, peach is not really a holiday flavor. Like it would be maybe in Texas where it's hotter. Yeah. Because you probably have peaches later in the year. So peach to us is like a summer thing. Yeah. But it does work really well with that pecan. Yeah, mixture with it. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's a good beer. Shiner Shiner's Shiner's not bad. Yeah, they do. Um once I, I yeah, I never really had a lot of Shiner until I started hanging out with you. I'd only had like Shiner Bach, which I thought was fine. But I, you know, I didn't. I didn't think it's anything special. But like some of their other beers that are hard to harder to get around here are actually pretty good. Yeah, 
And uh, shout out to the Shiner S'mores beer, too. That is also one of my go-tos for this time of year as well, too. That's a fantastic mm-hmm. one, too. But next week, we are going a little darker for the beers, brother. Because darker. this is the time of year for stouts. And all you people who hate on it stouts, is. this is a retro blood thing, bro. We love the stouts. so we lo- I love darker stouts. Darker the like better, brother. Are, yeah. Just fucking bitter, dark as shit. We yeah. can't even see your... You can't even see anything in it. I, I, that's nope. how dark I like it, brother. You can't even see Jack. Yeah, you you don't know what the hell's in that thing. Okay, it's kind of yeah, like uh, it's kind of like Christine's engine. We don't know what's in there. Okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. But there's probably motor oil, which is what the style looks like. Exactly. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, at a show a few months ago accused me of drinking motor oil when I was drinking my stouts because he only drinks lager. But uh, stouts, stouts are great, man. Like. um yeah you're right i mean they need to be dark and bitter just yeah. like my soul yes exactly <laughs> fucking man's beer brother but uh <laughs> but let's get this show on the road let's talk about the let's history segment because you know every retro blood me and the allison we do a history segment of what's yep. happening in the world of pro wrestling and metal music the reason we do this is because we like to give you guys an extra present every episode you know what i mean you don't only mm. you don't only get our our relaxing uh, rugged voices every every week, but uh, you also get you also get some education. All right, so if, maybe if you didn't know anything about the pro wrestling or the metal music, maybe we'll teach you something. All right, especially around the eighties, man, yeah. because this the these uh, these three topics—the horror, the metal, and the pro wrestling—man, they all they all intertwine in one way or another. Definitely, definitely at this time they did, and it also I like doing this because it also gives you an idea. Like it's like a lot of times these movies. <clears throat> or with movies in general, it's really easy to take something out of its context. So you don't really understand like what the time was like um, around the time that it came out. So I like adding these like little new, these little history segments so people understand, you know, what was going on around this time and, you know, what, what the music scene was like, what the metal scene was like, what the wrestling scene was like. Cause it's usually the two subjects we know about and talk about, but yeah, I think it's one of the cooler things that we do is like, like yeah. you know, give that little context of what the uh, what was going on. And what's cool about it too is you can see the progression out of different years. Mm. Yeah. Because wrestling and metal music and horror movies change almost every year in the '80s to something a little bit more different. You know, so you're not going to mm. have the same style, like almost the same style of quality we'll have in like 19, 1983. Then you have like 1987. It's gonna be a little different, you know what I mean, when it comes to like commercialized and stuff. So, but I say we do the wrestling first because uh, I got some uh, cool stuff to talk about, and we'll save the metal to the end because I know we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the metal music. But um, I kind of wanted to do something for this holiday season when it comes to the pro wrestling. Um, hopefully, we can find something for next week and our our, our New Year's show as well too. But there is a, a movie coming out that me and Allison have been debating. We're definitely going to watch it. We're just going to see if we have time to actually review it on the lights out. And that's going to be mm-hmm. the new um, uh, Von Eric movie. Uh, What's it called? The Iron yes. Claw. The Iron Claw. Yeah. So I thought, you know, since we're, since the, the the movie is basically takes place about the Von Eric family and the Von Eric the Von Eric family is prominent in the '80s, I thought maybe for the the next three episodes we kind of focus on the uh, Dallas territory, which is actually one of my favorite <clears throat> awesome. wrestling territories. So hopefully, you know, we we just gotta make sure the movies that we find we can find something about it. But hopefully, you know, we'll be able to. 
uh, but I kind of like maybe for the this episode and the next two episodes that we have for this to, to, to for the for the month, we can talk about a little bit about the Dallas territory. Um, so the one I got, so this movie, the Christine, uh, came out in U.S. theaters around December 9th, nineteen eighty three, brother. Okay, so we got a, a horror movie coming out in December, which is actually. Uh, I think it was kind of rare for this time for that to happen. Not not nowadays. Now they got fucking Christmas horror movies popping out their ass every minute. All right. <clears throat> but this one, it might have been a little different. So I did the, uh, I went to the good old Peacock. All right. And it's a, uh, I believe it's season two on there. And it's the December 10th, 1983 episode of the world class um, uh, television show. That they did, and this one was actually taking place from a Reunion Arena. So we're not in the Sportatorium; we're actually in the Reunion Arena, which is a little bit bigger okay. uh, of a venue that they ran for some of their bigger shows. Like I think they did a couple of the Star Star Wars shows in the Reunion Arena. So, but this one, this is a uh, if you all like just matches, you know what I mean. This is the show. It just kind of remind me of that dynamite that we had. Um, this past Wednesday, where it's like it's just like major. We have maybe one or two interviews, but it's all matches. You know what I mean? If you like the in-ring yeah, quality, yeah. this is the show for you. Uh, this one's like half the matches we had on that Dynamite because the show's only about forty-five minutes. But check it out. Mm. Like if you want to see how popular these Von Erich kids were, like this is actually a pretty good episode to watch to see. And uh, the craziest thing about this episode, which I'll get to soon is uh, uh david von eric uh little little factoid that i had about him but i'll i'll start off so you know we do get like a little bit of recap uh but the first match we're gonna have is a uh, kevin von eric who we just saw on mm-hmm. aw brother he is here and he is going one-on-one with terry gordy from the fabulous free brothers from the fabulous free birds i must say say free brothers <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, this match is pretty good. Um, a lot of like, uh, th- so this is the era where we work a hold. Allison, do you know what work a hold means? Oh yeah, working a hold. You put somebody in a hold, and then you stay in that hold and make people believe that you are killing the other guy with this hold. Yes. So this is a yes. Yeah, so <laughs> this is the work the hold match where where Kevin was basically working over Terry's arm the whole match. And which is funny because they were saying like, yes, we got the high flyer Kevin Von Eric, and then he didn't do like any high flying at all. He's actually more like a Zack Saber Junior type, where he just did a bunch of submission holds. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, he was the um, he was one that wrestled with no shoes, right? Yeah, no shoes. Yeah, he's the uh, surviving Von Eric. Um, but yes. yeah, I was about to say he's the only one still alive, right? Yes, he's the one. Yeah, and he was just there last Wednesday on Dynamite, so pretty crazy. So the, basically, this match they had some interference. Yeah, an '80s classic, brother. Interference in this match. All right, and uh, Kevin picked up the the victory from the interference. And then we had uh, from from from, uh, from Buddy. He uh, interfered. So the next match we had is this one is pretty interesting. So we have David. Von Erich, the older brother of the Von Erichs, who was probably the most, besides the dad, 
Uh, he was probably the most like technical wrestler on of them, and he was probably the most well worked wrestler. Like he could actually work a match uh, very well. Like he was a very polished wrestler. And mm-hmm. at this time, he's he's doing an interview about Kamala, where he was the only man. Allison, check this out. He was the only man to to give Kamala a run for his money. You know what I mean? He was the only man to stand up to Kamala and be able to go toe to toe with the Ugandan giant. Are they, what was it? What was his nickname? What, was it? What was it? Kamala's? Yeah, it was. Something. Yeah, the Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which um, he was kind of a a monster. I mean, so I didn't get to see Kamala a lot because he spent a lot of time in in the Dallas territory. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I knew almost nothing about until uh, probably until WWE put out that documentary about it. I mean, I knew who the Von Erichs were, and I knew the basic idea, and I knew the sad story of the Von Erichs, but I didn't really know a lot about it. But he spent a lot of time in Texas, um, so I didn't really see a lot of Kamala. But I thought he was—he has a really cool look, yeah. And he's—he's he's a good wrestler for you know he's a good big man wrestler. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Kamala the Ugandan Giant. Yeah, he would later go on to the E. I believe he went to the E in 1985, I believe. Uh, but he, mm-hmm. he pretty much got his start in, in world class. Has this uh, gimmick. And he was pretty much like the uh, the big uh, uh, big monster type wrestler. Like, you know what I mean? Barely goes off his feet. A lot of power moves. You can't really stop him. But David Von Erich, he is the guy who's actually be able to go toe-to-toe. And this match was actually pretty good. Like this, David guy was a like I said, he was a very solid wrestler. Like he he's one of those wrestlers that can have a great good match with anybody. And this one was mm-hmm. back and forth action, and they both actually busted open each other, which is crazy. So we had both of them bleeding. It was like a freaking Ambrose match, or a Moxley match over here. And uh, so we had some interference again, <laughs> because that's what we had to do, of course. And while this interview is happening, Kerry Von Eric comes in, and he comes in, and he actually slams Kamala, all right? And he slams him, and the crowd's going crazy. And boy, this this Kerry Von Eric, like, if you want a, if you, if, when you're thinking about 80s pro wrestler, like, stud, like, this guy is, like, the guy you're looking at, you know what I mean? Because he had the looks, his wrestling was, you know, it wasn't that bad. But boy, if this guy stayed healthy and a right mind, I bet he could have been better than the Ultimate Warrior. For sure. <laughs> well, we can <laughs> only hope, right? That he could be better than the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, because, you know, Ultimate um, Warrior yeah. was like physically impressive and he had a lot of energy, you know, very for the yeah. time, face pain stuff. But this boy, if, if we would have had Kerry Von Eric in that instead, I think, I think we'd have had a totally different dynamic for, for a baby face because this guy was so great. Oh, absolutely, and you know, and he had the look, like you mentioned before. He, yeah. he he had he was just good looking. Like you know, the girls loved him. I mean, he was he was probably the most po- most popular of on Eric. Would you say? Yeah, well, yeah. So yes and no. So David at this time actually was the most popular Von Eric, just because he's been wrestling a lot more than the other Von Eric. Yeah. So he was like the older brother. So he was like he they gave him a lot more profile matches. And like I was saying before, David was actually more of the more solid wrestler. Like he was like the most solid wrestler. Like he wasn't he wasn't like physically uh, uh, impressive yeah. as Kerry was. And he wasn't as like light on his feet as Kevin. But he did have like all like the what 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 this time was looking for for the for the for a great wrestler. You know what I mean? Yes. So he's yeah, kinda like absolutely. a Barry Wyndham type. 
You know what I mean? He's like he's a really good wrestler. He's not like a standout body wise, but he's a very solid wrestler. Uh, but you could tell this carry guy, like you could tell later on in the eighties and stuff, like this guy was gonna like which which he did. He did get over. Like huge. You know what I mean? But, you know, obviously the tragedy that happened with him is super sad. Um, but it just, uh, it's crazy. And, like, the one thing, too, is when Kerry slammed Kamala, um, Kamala's manager said that if, if any known man, if any man could slam Kamala, they would win $10,000. So they're all shocked that this Kerry was able to slam Kamala. So we don't know if he's going to get the $10,000 or not. We have to stay tuned. So. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that would be... I mean, Kamala probably weighs, what, 400 pounds at least? Yeah, something like that. Maybe 350. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, even though, I mean, you know, Carrie uh, I'm sure was in great shape and was very strong, but, like, you know, picking up a person like that and slamming them is not easy. So, yeah. you know, slamming Kamala was, uh, I'm sure, a feat. Oh, yeah. So, and then uh, David actually won this match due to the mm -hmm. disqualification and some... Uh, some history I did on this. So, so this is December 10th, 1983 when this aired. Mm -hmm. Not even three months to the date. February 10th, 1984. That's when David Von Erich would tragically pass away in Japan with that stomach, um, stomach mm -hmm. attack that he had. And, and when he was wrestling know. for all Japan. Yeah, I didn't know it was that early. Yeah. So he was the first one to die if you don't count the, the little kid, right? Yes. The six-year-old died first, Well, there was... But... Well, no, no, no. So, they, yeah, there was like a uh, young... Yeah, yeah. there was like the first... I think the first ever Von Erich kid, which they don't talk about that much, he died like in a crib or something. But, yes, yeah, so you don't count that one. He was the I first thought he was grown. electrocuted. No, no, no. That one happened later. Or maybe he was electrocuted. Whatever the first Von Erich kid was... He's the one that died first, somehow. Yeah, he, at yeah. six. At six. But yeah. this was way before they were like. I mean, Fritz was a wrestler, but like this was way. He he was the first son. Yeah. And then he had the five other ones. Yes. Um, three of which committed suicide, and then one of them died in in Japan, which was David. It was which David? We just yes. About. Yeah, with some sort yeah, of and stomach. And then still alive. Yeah, some sort of stomach um, ulcer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, just tragic, man. And then this is when they did the whole, you know, in February they did the whole, you know, uh, tribute show to him. That's when Kerry won the title from Rick, Rick Flair, and everything. So, uh, but it's just crazy to think, like, not even like freaking three months later, man. And this guy, like, you could tell by watching this show, like, this guy was like on his way. David was on his way to be a, like the 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 top star in this promotion. So, like I said, like you know, Kerry was more physical, impressive looking. But when it came to the athleticism and the realism, David had the more, the more wrestling ability, just the more presence, the more wrestling ability, and that's what they were trying to go with at the time. So, but yeah, super sad. But everybody, you know, check out that Von Erich movie. You know, what I mean, that's going to be a very fun one. Since I know the history about it, um, it should be very interesting to see. Like, I, you know, I, I was watching, I was listening to this other podcast, and they were saying, like, you know, what yeah. if what if people like watch that movie and don't even know anything about the Von Erich history? Like, they just think it's some sort of wholesome wrestling story. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you guys are gonna be super shocked because some of that shit gets yeah. dark, like super. So that dark. was gonna be my question. <laughs> like, how are they gonna make this movie and it not just be horribly depressing? I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's super like, dark. 
Okay, yeah. what happens with this shit? It's like fuck. I don't know, man. That's why I'm, that's why I'm really interested in seeing it. Like you know, and especially the way the trailers cut because it's it kind of looks like a comedy. Yeah, I know, like a comedy, so good old wholesome film, yeah. like some of yeah. those Christmas like, wholesome films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, fuck, but, you can almost make this shit like a horror movie. I mean, it's fucking, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a sad story. Like the, that's this, it's, it's a, a very yeah. depressing, sad story. So. It's horribly sad. Like, I mean, like I can't. Yeah, it's horribly sad. I mean, three of them committed suicide. Yeah, um, one of them killed himself at twenty-one, I believe. Chris, I think Chris killed himself when he was twenty-one years old. Yeah, um, but. Um, but yeah, like that scene in the trailer where Fritz is saying, um, where he's, he mentions the boys and he talks about uh, which order he has, he favors them in or whatever, and he's like, "But that can change at any time." That's yeah. a funny, that's a funny little scene. But that movie, I don't see how this movie is not going to be horribly depressing for people. So be ready for that. You know, take your antidepressants before you go. I mean, maybe they're not going to lean too much. Nazi. I have no idea. I really don't know how. Because mm-hmm. isn't isn't a twenty four? Aren't they known for doing horror movies? Or am I, am I just thinking about something else? They are known. They are known for that. But they've done a bunch of different kinds of okay. movies, though. Um, they've done a lot of mainstream movies. They won an Academy Award or were nominated for Academy Award for that uh, roller derby movie. Um, they've done a bunch of mainstream movies. So this is like. I guess you would call this mainstream. Yeah. If 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 a wrestling movie can be mainstream, this is a mainstream movie. Yeah, like I said, everybody. If we have some time, me and Austin will jump on there and the lights out and talk about the movie because I am super interested in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely going to. It just might have to come down later on the pipeline. So yes. the next match we have over here is Chris Adams, all right, versus Jimmy Garden for check this one out, Austin, the American Heavyweight Champion. So oh, you, you yeah you ain't gonna be French you ain't gonna be British you ain't gonna be Mexican nope. you're gonna be the American brother heavyweight champion. Well, Mexico's in America. It's in Central America. Well, okay, yeah, I guess they didn't they didn't they didn't, uh, they didn't say it. didn't specify. Specific. Yeah, they didn't specify <laughs> if it's the whole. All right, <laughs> it's just the American champion. I just thought it was gonna be the. Why can't we have the beer drinking champion? Why can't we just have that one? That's all. That's the only one I want. You know what I mean? That's the one we should we should yeah we should start that. Yeah. AEW should have the the beer drinking heavyweight. Yeah, champion. we had the well, yeah, so if it's nowadays we got to have the beer city bruiser winning. Where the hell is well, he? Well, I was been? gonna say he's the only he's the only person. He lives in Charlotte now, actually. Oh yeah, he don't um, wrestle. Now. Yeah, I think he does indies. Um, but yeah, he uh, yeah who else would win that except the beer city bruiser? Nowadays, Sadas Young would win it. Um. Maybe uh, Cody and Jey Uso, you know. What I mean, they seem like they're pretty. Well, they might have been high. But, uh, well, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they drink beer. I think. I think they're more liquor guys. Yeah. But I don't really know. I don't, it's not like I know. We have to find that. We have to go down the list and see who's a beer drinker. <laughs> Whoever has the biggest gut, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> there you go. You'll be it. The beer city. The beer. The beer chuggling champion or something. But anyway, this match right here. So the big thing about this match was. Um, it was a title match that they had, and Chris Adams had Sunshine in his corner. Yeah, and of course, Sunshine used to manage Jimmy Garvin, and Jimmy Garvin has Precious in his corner, and mm-hmm. the Precious basically was the the assistant to Sunshine for a little while, until until Jimmy started having feelings for Precious over Sunshine, and that's when he kicked Sunshine out out of the way and joined Precious. 
you know, but in Shoot Life, for a, for a long time, when they were doing the uh, Sunshine and Jimmy Gar- Garvin, he was always married to Precious, yeah. which is funny. Yeah, I knew he was married to one of them, but I couldn't remember which one. Yeah. But it was Precious. It was, was Precious, married yes. to, yeah. So now they're fully together, Sunshine. Jimmy and Precious. And then we have Chris Adams and Sunshine. They're all facing each other. And, of course, Sunshine and Precious don't like each other. Two wild blonde 80 girls out there. Uh, this match is pretty good. Like, you know, these are two solid wrestlers. You know, Chris Adams is actually the guy who I, I don't know if he actually invented the super kick, but he's the one that kind of like made it like a thing, like a finishing move. Um, yeah, I would, I would find it hard to believe that he invented it. But yeah, he was the one that was known. He's the one that basically Shawn Michaels got the super kick from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he Most used likely. That, yeah. Because yeah, he used it as his finish and world class. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time anybody has ever used the move as a finish. So, mm-hmm. but he could have been the guy who actually invented it. I am not exactly sure. Been. About yeah, that. it could have been. So, but they're going back and forth. Match is pretty good. Uh, the finish basically had you know, Precious was uh, distracting Chris for a little bit, and Sunshine went over there, pushed her down, and then Sunshine distracted. Well, I don't know. She really didn't distract. It was weird because Jimmy Garvin hit the ropes. Precious takes his hair and flies him down on the floor right in front of the referee and then mm-hmm. Chris Adams just pins him and he wins the belt and I thought there was going to be some sort of disqualification for interference but there wasn't Chris Adams just wins nope. the belt so he, he's the new American heavyweight champion this British guy is the champion of all America congratulations yes the tea party is now destroyed <laughs> we have a ruler <laughs> of Chris Adams he's now our champion so then we go off the air and I, I do like it where the announcer is like <laughs> You were like this one else, and he was all like, mm. "Listen, guys, we gave you all these fucking matches over here. Like, what more can we bring you? But tune in next week because we're gonna bring you more exciting matches." I was like, "Man, AEW has to do something <laughs> like that." Like he's all like, he was all like, "We got you this match, this match, and this match. What more do you guys want? But we'll bring you more, more matches." <laughs> oh, it's a great, yeah, that's that's, a good show. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like they should sell their show more like that. Yeah. You know? It's like, we gave you guys so many fucking good matches, but come back, we're going to give you some more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, pretty fun show. But, uh, Allison, what do you got for us in the metal? What are we listening to on our way to the theater seeing Christine? So, when I was starting to research this, there was a lot. This was I was astounded, actually. So, we're in December 1983. So, between December 1st and December 10th, this movie came out on the 9th, there was like, <clears throat> in that in 10 days, there was a ridiculous amount of good heavy metal albums that came out. Like, we wouldn't even have had enough money to buy all the albums that came out. Uh, some of them we've talked about previously, like Slayer's first album, Show No Mercy, came out that week with Evil Has No Boundaries. Um, there was a band, uh, there's a band that, um, if you haven't heard of them, you should listen to them. They're called Manila Road. Um, they're a little bit, they're a little unknown. But uh, they released their album, Crystal Logic. Um, their next album, Open the Gates, is probably their most famous album because um, it's considered one of the best power me- American power metal albums of all time. But they on December the 1st, they released Crystal Logic, which is a great album. It's their first. Um, so Miller Road was like a um, space rock or like a prog, prog rock kind of band in the late 70s, early very early 80s. Um, but they kind of transition more into a heavy metal sound and crystal logic is the first the time that the full album was like all heavy metal um ozzy osbourne released bark at the moon on the 10th 
you know, which was, uh, you know, kind of a, a big, it was kind of a big deal for him at the time. It was, you know, he made his first music video. And I remember that album, like being out and um, at the mall that we go to, well, I don't go there anymore, but you go there more often than I do. But across from where Belk is mm-hmm. now, there used to be a record store over there across the hall from Belk. <clears throat> and when my family would go shopping at the mall, they would kind of dump me in the record store and I would just like look at records. And I remember like around this time when this album came out, there was like almost, well, I mean, I'm sure I was, you know, I was a little, little kid, so I'm sure it was bigger. It looked bigger than it really was. But my memory is there's like a full wall poster, like on the wall of the cover of Ozzy Osbourne's bark at the moon where he's like dressed as the werewolf. And like, I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like I, at that point in time, I had never, I hadn't heard Black Sabbath yet. I don't think I even really knew who Ozzy Osbourne was, but I remember seeing it. I'm like, oh my God, I got to hear that. That's amazing. That looks so fucking cool. Um, so I remember when that came out and also a classic album came out that week, Accepts Balls to the Wall. Um, Except is one of those bands that they're kind of a cult band. Um, yeah. So they're not like, the biggest band in the world as far as metal goes, but this Balls of the Wall album was a huge hit for them. Um, and it came out in Europe in December of 1983, the first week in December. And the United States version was re- delayed until January because their last album was still a big hit. Um, but the biggest song that I can think of is the Balls of the Wall single, which is the first song on the album. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, this is a great album. Um, they're a German band. Yeah. Um, and like, and you I know, always thought that you know what I noticed yeah. about this band too. Like when I was listening to them, like what? the vocal guy, he kind of sounds like the guy from ACDC. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he does. He sounds a lot like I would say that. Except is very ACDC like. Yeah, they're a little more. But yeah, heavier. I always um, a little more heavier. But yeah, I always thought that uh, um, their their singer um had a cool name. His name is Udo Dirkschneider. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> which is like probably i guess that that sounds like a beer yeah it could be a very common german name but yeah udo dirk schneider is a really is a really cool name and their guitar player's name wolf hoffman oh yeah so yeah so they're they're a great band and we'll probably maybe we'll play balls the wall at the end of the we'll episode it. tonight yeah like the, we the done before. they kind of sound like like acdc right but like it, it's, it's like if acdc loved like motorhead yes well, right. Yeah. Motorhead is actually, I guess, what I would describe them more. Yeah. It's like Motorhead with uh, ACDC singer. Yeah. Kinda. And it's pretty good. You know, stuff is pretty yeah. good. So this album is pretty interesting, too. Like, apparently this one was, like, semi, like, controversial because of all the uh, the topics of the, you know, the gay culture at this time, too. Um, so I thought that was pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, because the cover, the cover um, like, it's it's got, like, a guy in, like, a leather jacket and, like, leather, like underwear i guess yeah <laughs> i don't know what you did i don't know what you call that then he's holding like a ball in his hand yeah it's um, kind of like that uh yeah. the, the biker uh the biker look it's like the gay biker thing yeah yeah going on so a lot um, of the songs yeah. some of the songs are about that too so it's pretty interesting so maybe our boy yeah, uh dennis like... was into that you know what i mean you never know yeah like london leather boys like there's no way that's not about uh like gay sex right yeah I mean, it has to be, and then yeah, it has to of, be. So yeah, I mean, like there, there, and then the love child was another one too. 
<clears throat> which is one of their yeah, big hits. Yeah. And that was also another one that was like around, like kind of talk about that same kind of subject. So mm-hmm. it was written from the yeah. perspective mm-hmm. of, of an alleged gay man. So that's how the, uh, the, the song was written. So pretty interesting stuff, you know, very, I mean, to be honest with you, that was pretty uh, ballsy of them to do like a record around this time around that subject yeah especially in that time yeah Yeah, exactly like 1983 yeah Yeah. i mean that was pretty uh that was a pretty big deal and for it to be a big hit in america at that time because america was 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 pretty conservative as far as like you know with the pmrc and all that shit that was about to come out um they were pretty conservative so uh Yeah. yeah so it's a pretty big deal for them to have like that kind of uh subject matter into a mainstream American album. Yeah, but pretty good album, you know what I mean? I listened to most Great of album. it. Uh, pretty easy to listen to. Singer's pretty, like I said, very ACDC singer-like, uh, but I liked mm-hmm. it. I thought that was pretty good. So we'll play a little bit at the end of the show, brother. We'll, we'll pop it. We'll pop the track, all right, in our 1958 Plymouth Fury, all right, that's trying to kill us and choke, all, choke out all of our women. Yeah. Right? So, but I say, let's get into the who book this shit, brother. Because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this. So, you know, Christine, like you were saying before, is a Stephen King book. Okay? Mm -hmm. And around this particular time in the 80s, this Stephen guy, Stephen King guy, his shit was like gold. Okay? Because he didn't really have like any kind of like competition too much when it comes to the book world of horror. You know, and stories are mystery stories like this. Um, so this is just one of his many books, and they apparently like the book Christine. I think it came out like maybe like a year before this movie did. All right, but but then the the book while the book was like already out and stuff, that's when they were like kind of like making the movie, and then when the movie got released again. The the hard book I think was like a number like eleven on the charts, but then they released a soft book cover which was number one. So it really helped mix everything together. Like it's pretty cool where you can have like a top selling book and a new movie about the book, like kind of like both like coming out at the same time. You know what I mean? Like both very hot at the same time, and that pretty. And I, I think that that chemistry right there really helped this movie gain a lot of success because this is actually one of the movies that um john carpenter released that actually made some money and got really good critically success like at the beginning you know Mm -hmm. because if you remember a lot of john carpenter's films that we've been doing like we like them nowadays they're like cult classics Mm -hmm. but at the time they didn't get a lot of good uh, reviews there like it was like a you know they didn't get a lot of you know pipe around them well, he was going. He was going through a rough period yeah. right now because he was uh, the thing had. He had just put out the thing like the year before, right? And the yep. thing did not do well at the time, which is crazy. Um, and he basically, from my understanding, he basically made Christine, but just for the paycheck. He did not want to make Christine. Yeah, like he. Yeah, um, basically, and he did, did it as a job. Yeah, he wanted to do it because he needed work. All right, and he wanted to kind of like get his reputation back a little bit. You know what I mean? So it was a little bit of both. Like, yeah, he didn't, like, you know, it, wasn't, it might have been his first choice, but he wanted to kind of get himself back on there, get a paycheck, get a movie going, you know what I mean, get, get himself back out there. You know, because like, like we were saying before, the thing and stuff, you know, we all love the thing now. It's like a big cult classic. But at the time, mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot of people were digging the film. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was one of the few movies around this time that he made that he didn't write. Yes. He did do the music for it, though. Part of it, at least. Yes. Which is cool. I actually thought the soundtrack of this movie was pretty good. You know, uh, not the actual songs they used. Those were fine, too. But uh, John Carpenter's, like, you know, like, normal uh, uh, soundtrack for the movie, I thought it was actually pretty good as well, too. Yeah, it definitely has that John Carpenter sound. Like, when you... uh... You know when that when Christine's lights come on, you hear that that he puts in all of his yes, like in the like he did in Halloween three, which yeah. he did the music for. It was it had, it's very Halloween three sounding. Yeah, and he also did like the yeah, with the little like it sounds like the heartbeat with the car too. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things. So our boy Richard uh, Kubitz had previously produced the 1979 miniseries Salem's Lot. All right, which we may mm-hmm. or may not be doing on Lights Out one day. Yeah. That one might be a little bit of a, to- uh, a, a chore because it is three hours long. <laughs> yes. So, be a two-parter. Yeah, so that was based on the Stephen King novel. So Stephen King was basically told this guy, Richard, like, hey, you know, I'll send you some material, man. If you want to make a movie out of one of my books, you know, I'll give you the free range to do it. And Richard, he was all excited about doing that because he, he felt like he hit a gold mine because, like I was saying before, you know, Stephen King's material... You know, was like there wasn't a whole lot of like competition to it. You know what I mean? So he already had like a very established fan base. And there's not like, you know, it's not like we're going to have like 18 movies like Christine coming out. You know what I mean? So. Right. So Especially the, during this time. I mean, there were, I was going to say, there were other horror writers. Yes. That were like Peter Straub that were, that were popular. Yeah. But Stephen King, th- so Stephen King wasn't even in his main pop- popularity at this point. Like he was a popular author who was finally making a living writing novels. But like a year after this, he would get huge. Yeah. Um, you know, 83, 84, 85, he was like the probably the biggest author in the world. Um, but yeah, he was he was on his way up. Like he was a rising star. So making a Stephen King property into a movie was a big deal for anybody at this point. Yes. And um, uh, Richard, like, uh, Kubrick, he got sent two scripts, like two novels. It was one was Cujo and one was Christine. Mm-hmm. And apparently he passed on Cujo. He didn't really want to do the dog, the crazy dog. But he liked Christine mm-hmm. because he liked the story of it celebrating America's obsession with the motor car. And boy, things have not changed. People are still have obsessed with the cars. And it also made sense because also around this time, people were kind of like looking back to the 50s. Like the like 50s stuff was really popular in the 80s. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, like, you know, Happy Days was a, was a popular show about the 50s and like bands like the Stray Cats were like doing like Rockabilly and stuff like that. So, I mean, bringing back this, you know, 1957 uh, Plymouth Fury for this movie was probably something that he's like, yeah, okay, I can see how that would be a bigger hit these days than a than a story about a rabbit dog. Yeah. So apparently, uh, Kubrick and Carpenter they had previously collabed on the 1978 television television film Somebody's Watching Me. So they all worked together. So that's why he kind of knew to, uh, you know, trying to get uh, Carpenter to come on here. Uh, Bill Phillips was also Carpenter's choice for writer. It was brought on shortly after Carpenter arrived. 
Carpenter also joined by special effects supervisor Roy Arbogast. Mm-hmm. And I previously worked sure. with Carpenter in The Thing. So, you know, Car- you know, John, like, you know, Carpenter, he likes to bring his own people aboard. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is fine with me because most of his movies are pretty excellent with this. You know, they put a lot of work into it. And I just like his filming style. So, according to Carpenter, Christine was not a film he had planned on directing, saying that he direct, uh, directed the film as a job as opposed to a personal project, kind of like what we talked about before. Uh, he had previously directed The Thing, which had done poorly at the box office and led to critical backlash. In, re- in retrospect, Carpenter stated that upon reading Christine, he felt that it was just it just wasn't very frightening, but it was something I needed to do at the time for my career. Which, you know, it, yeah. I wouldn't say this movie is really scary, but there is like creepy aspects to it. But it is, you know, it's it's not like it's like super like, you know, it's not like a traditional creepy horror movie, I would say. Yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, I guess the idea of like the car stalking you is kind of scary. But yeah, it's, it's not a very scary movie. Yeah. Um, And there was some differences in the book. There were. Yes, there are some differences. Now, was the main difference there, Allison was the possession of the evil spirit of the previous owner, Ronald D. Liebay, where mm-hmm. Like, I guess it was his spirit taking over the car in the book? Yeah, so the car... In the book, the car is not really evil. It's mm-hmm. possessed by the spirit of the... So Ro- Ronald is a serial killer. I gotcha. And he's, he, his spirit possesses like the car. And kind of, yeah, except as a car, not a doll. Um... <clears throat> And also, he, in the book, I'm pretty sure that he sells the car to Arnie himself. And his brother tries to warn him. Uh, his brother's in the book, or in the movie, and he talks about his brother killing himself. But he um, he tries to warn Arnie against buying the car, and uh, Roland sells him the car anyway. Or uh, Ronald, excuse me. It's Ronald, right? Ronald is the... Yes. Killer's name. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he and so he buys it directly from uh, uh, from Ronald. And Ronald's not in the movie at all. No. And well, the whole not... concept of Ronald being a serial killer is not in the movie at all. Period. Yeah. No. It just uh, it just died by carbon. What was it? Carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. And like he that. died in the car. In the car. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, a long time ago, because the car had sit there and rusted out for a very long time. Um, but it, uh, it also had a different ending. Um, so instead of, uh, instead of the ending that we got, um, and, and when I say this, you'll see why they didn't use this because it's really hard when I even say it out loud for, for it not to sound silly, but, um, there's the, the ending actually, I believe is there's a truck. There's a possessed truck that fights Christine at the end of the movie. Oh, I haven't uh, the book. I mean, um, I mean, it might have been better than this uh, than the world's slowest monster fight that we got at the end of this movie, but yeah. we'll get there. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of remind me of Transformers a little bit. It's that very, very slow. Slow, very slow. So, a couple of things I want to talk about a little bit about the casting because I thought this was interesting. So, originally the the casting directors instead they wanted a uh, a young Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. to be in this film. 
but uh, he was about to do it. Like Kevin, he he signed on. He was like, "Hey, I'm ready to go," but then he got yep. offered Footloose, and then told him to go fuck. Them and tell him I was like, "Eh," he, he wrote him a letter saying, "Sorry, guys, gotta go take this other movie." And good for him because that, isn't that how he got his fandom? Pretty much was from Footloose. Yep, that's how he got famous. Yeah, yeah. Now we all know him from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part One. You know what I yes. mean? But there is another guy who was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two that was in this movie. I don't know if you noticed. The hmm. fucking nerd guy, part of the uh, bully clan. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, okay. he don't showed up. He was the ner- I forgot his name from the Friday Part Two, but the nerd guy, mm-hmm. who who actually didn't get killed at all. He just like he, he got left at the bar drunk, while everybody else got killed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in my he, mind, he for being at the bar drunk. In know? my mind, like after that whole incident happened, like he just he just moved to the town with Christine. And he was part of the bully clan. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, all, they're all connected. Well, that's kind of that's kind of sad that he, you know, he got oh. spared being killed and then he became an asshole. Yeah. That's what happens. So, you know, some something funny about the car too. All right, is the uh, uh the car was uh like I said, 9 was it was it 1958 Plymouth Fury. All right? Mhm. And the reason they picked this car because this car right here was actually made at the same time as like the Corvette, you know what I mean? Like the kind of like the higher end cars that you get around, yeah. you know, that you know, we kind of know like in, you know, American history of being some of the most like, you know, iconic cars at the time. And this car was made at the time, but it wasn't as iconic and it's kind of like lost in history. So that's why they kind of like pick, pick this model of car, you know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, you know, why was this car... So lost in history compared to its, it's, 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 you know, it came up at the same time as all these other iconic cars. So there has to be a reason yeah. why this car wasn't as famous. And I actually thought that was a pretty good, good idea to make it like, okay, well, maybe this brand of car is haunted. So that's why I never really. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was also um, really rare. Yeah. It was a rare one. Yeah. Um, there was only 5,000 of them made it, even made ever. So, and they had to find, they made 17 cars for the movie. Um, and they bought like 24, they bought two dozen cars and built in different states of fucked upness. And then they built 17 working cars out of the 24 that they bought. Um, but yeah, they were only 5,000 made ever. So they had to find enough cars to make this movie. Yeah. So... A couple of fun things about some of the cast as well, too. You know, the guy who played Ernie, Keith Gordon. Um, This is, I would say this is not one of his uh, first films he did. Uh, His first film was actually Jaws 2. All right? Yeah. This is pretty interesting. Um, But he he was like one of the, so they wanted to like cast a lot of like unknown actors, you know, save money on budget. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Carpenter's whole thing was like, you know, the star of the movie is going to be the car. The car is going to be the star. Yes. We're going to we're going to put we're going to put the car over. You know, he's our WrestleMania headliner. That's the car is everybody yes. else is going to be a supporting role. So we don't need to we don't need to cast like these like, you know, very famous actors in this film at the time. So that's why he was kind of getting like, you know, a little bit of the lower tier. Uh, but this guy who played, you know, the earning stuff like he. He was probably like one of the only one of the only actors on the show that wasn't like his first movie. So, and apparently he would go on to uh, um, direct a bunch of movies as well too. 
later on in life. Well, Harry Dean Stanton was a pretty famous actor who played the detective. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was a couple like, you know, like that. But it, like I'm talking about the younger, some of the younger actors. Oh, yeah. All brand new. And I didn't realize. And John. Go ahead. I was going to say John Stockwell would go on to be in Top Gun. Yeah. He played Cougar. Um, and and I, when I was reading about this movie, doing a little research, I was blown away. So apparently John Carpenter was offered Top Gun as to direct Top Gun and he turned it down. Oh, interesting. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, I mean, that was that's the big hit that he needed. Yeah. You know, at this point in his career, but Oh yeah. That'd have been, that'd to have be. been a lot different world right there. Yeah, he made this movie instead. Yeah. So some uh, too before we go on to some other people, but this Keith Gordon guy, he actually um directed a lot of like good TV shows that I'm actually a pretty mm-hmm. big fan of. Like The Killing. Yeah, The Killing. He did a couple episodes. He did Dexter. He did a lot of episodes for Dexter uh, during its heyday of 2006 to 2013. Um, mm-hmm. And he also did, some, he did one episode of Better Call Saul, off-brand, and he actually did a, a couple episodes of Fargo, too. So this guy, I would say, like, m- you know, most of his stuff has to be probably on the, uh, the directing side. Um and he said he, he he actually said like the reason he became a director too was because when he was working on this film he got to work with you know John Carpenter and mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of, like all his crew and stuff and it really inspired him to actually go more into directing than it did to be like an actual actor um, also too so I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and uh, another person that also did a lot of stuff in Hollywood was the girl who played Liana uh, Alexandra Powell. Uh, Alexandra Elizabeth Powell. Uh, she okay. this is her this is her first movie was this movie right here, but she went on to do uh, such great successful uh, films, <laughs> has millions. Such as? She did millions. All right, Cyber Bandits. Ooh. All right, come on, brother. <laughs> Two thousand eight, <laughs> True Loved. I mean, come on. Wow. 2012, the Frankenstein's brothers. I mean, fuck, you know, just take my money. It's just classics. Just classic, the whole brother. history of classics there. She was in an episode, a couple um, episodes of Baywatch. Come on, brother. Yeah. Let's go. Um, Kelly Preston was in it before she was famous, uh, as she uh, she played a friend, one of friend Dennis's friends. Um was but she, she would the, go on uh, to be fairly famous. Wait, was she the blonde that was like She's the blonde, yeah. Yeah, she was just trying to... Bro, that was the most useless character in this film. <laughs> the blonde girl who was just trying to get in Dennis's <laughs> pants the whole time, but failed. Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> Kelly Preston. She what was going was, to be what, fairly famous what, what, and marry uh, John Travolta. What was the purpose of her character? I, I'm still confused. Like, nothing yeah, actually happened know. with her. Like, I thought, no. like, maybe she would get jealous or pissed or something. No, nothing. No. So. She could have been cut completely out of this movie and it wouldn't have made any difference. Exactly. I thought she was just there because she was a hot blonde. Which uh-huh. is probably the case. Yes. But I'm just talking about the film. Let's get into it, brother. Let's let's take a ride in the 1958 car itself. The Plymouth. Let's take a ride in Christine, brother. Let's do it. Let's go. Sonny, you ever owned a car before? No, I just got my license. Start her up. Her name's Christine. I like that. 
I saw you guys at the football game. How'd you ever get that car fixed up like that? Oh, it's plain old-fashioned hard work, huh? Ever since he bought that car, he's been obsessed with it. And you know what else? They told us the man who owned that car last died in it. What do you know about that car? I know that the guy who owned the car before, Arnie, his daughter choked to death in Christine. I swear it's the car. That's Christine coming. Oh, Cherry. That's funny, you know, because I, I heard you was totally... Well, after I cleaned up the broken glass, it wasn't so bad. So what if you... You fix it up, you know, and he just comes back and does it again? He won't do it again. All right, so we start <clears throat> off the film. All right, yeah. with bad to the bone. Oh yeah, but 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 bad to the bone, brother. You know where I first heard so, this song from? Bad to the bone. Oh where? Where? So the first time I ever heard this song, because you know I'm gonna I'm like a '90s kid, was yeah. uh, I believe it was a Married with Children episode where Al Bundy gets his car back working. <laughs> That's probably the first time I've ever heard this song before, but I thought it was pretty good for this uh, intro. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Like, um, this song was a huge hit when it went around this time, so putting it in this movie was uh, pretty probably probably very uh, recognizable to people. Yeah, um, I think this song. I mean, maybe maybe it has happened, but I think this song would be a really good uh, wrestler's entrance theme. Yeah. Especially for the time period. I mean, for, yeah, and I was thinking, surely someone's come out to this song, but, uh, but yeah, this would be a really good wrestler's interest. They might have it legally. Of good in the Destroyer. Yeah. So we're at the Detroit, 1957. We see all these cars being made. Because, you know, Detroit was like yes. the car-making capital. And we could see that the red car uh, is standing out because all the other cars were white. And then mm -hmm. when we have the inspector guy check it, the hood falls on his hand. So we can see something's happening with this car. And then we have another inspector go in there, listen to the song, and he drops his cigar on there. And then this other inspector guy notices something's wrong. He opens up the car, and the guy that was smoking the cigar in there is now dead. So we can see yeah, something's you happening. Don't, you don't 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 ash your cigar in the uh, in Christine. Yeah, so um, I like that. Uh, interesting fun fact. So, do you know why all the other cars are white? No. So, the Plymouth Fury was only ever made in white. Oh, okay, interesting. There's, there was, there's never been, other than custom painted ones, there's never been a red Plymouth Fury. It was, it was. Um, the book talks about it being red. It, it talks about it being custom ordered to be red and white. Um, but all all five thousand Plymouth Furies that were made that year were all white with a beige um, uh, seats. So the the other cars are actually the color of what a Plymouth Fury should be. Yeah, but this one's custom. Little useless factoid for you there, but let's uh, get I like it. Yeah, this one's the special one, the special ordered one. So yeah, then we. 
then we jump to 1978. We're September 12th. We're in Rockbridge, California. This is when we meet our good old boy Dennis. He's kind of like a younger jock who has a very nerdy friend. Uh, he pulls up, and I like how the mom was like, "Turn off that music. It's like it's like air pollution. Your music is." I was like, and I was just thinking, like, bro, if she heard the music nowadays, she would just, man, <laughs> she'd be fucked. She, yeah, especially she'd, like she'd think that's pollution. Playing, <laughs> so she's not listening to Balls of the Wall. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just imagine that she'd freak out. <laughs> so this is when we meet Ernie. He's kind of like a nerd guy. Like kind of yeah. like a, he looks like a fifties nerd. You know what I mean? The glasses yeah, and the slick yeah. back black hair. Um, so they're all going to school and they're talking about him playing scrambled with his parents and he didn't win because the mom didn't accept fellatio. <laughs> okay, how's he as a word that for him to win? What a weird ass conversation. Yes. And they're all talking about chicks and stuff, you know, like normal college guys do. Yeah. Or or the high I guess they're or in high, high school. school guys. Yeah. They're in high school, yeah. So we're at the school. The blonde. What this girl had a name? What was her name? Uh, isn't it Roseanne? Roseanne. I didn't. That's what the cast name list says yes. she is. So Roseanne's there, and she is all into Dennis. And Dennis doesn't care about her at all. And then like Dennis's friend comes over. He's all like, "No, nah, I don't. I don't. Wouldn't put my. I don't know where this girl. She basically tells this girl's a slut. Right, this yes. blonde girl was like, I don't. I don't want to put my mouth in that thing." He's all like, hey, you know, we got the new girl here, and she's smoking hot. I can't believe he said this line. He's like, bro, you could tell this was in the 80s. He's like, she's like, he's like <laughs> she look, she has a smart-looking body. No, no, she has a smart-looking look about her, but, she, but her body looks like a slut. <laughs> I was like, wow. whoa. Damn. Talk about shit you can't say today. Golly, these people were wild back in the 80s, bro. They didn't care. Yep. Right. Wild time. So she walks by everybody just staring a hole through her. She looks pretty good. She got a little knee high socks on, a little fuzzy hair. Alright, I guess this is like a slut look back in the I have no idea. I guess so. So and then this whole time uh, Arnie he can't get into his locker, you know, because he's a nerd. Alright, so now Dennis he's eating lunch and he's wondering where Artie's at. So he asked one of his friends. He's like, Oh, Artie's still in the shop. And he's with Buddy. And Dennis is like, oh, shit, not fucking buddy. All right. So then we go back to the car shop. All right. I guess they got their own, like, shop class with cars. And mm. which makes sense because that was kind of like a booming industry at this time. And Buddy is basically like the the bully Fonz of the movie. Um. Yes, kind of. Yeah. Kind of like sure, the, I'll go with that. You know what I mean? He has the frizzy hair with the sideburns, and you know he's a brother jacket guy. So he's bullying Ernie about his lunch. Dennis comes in, he's like he's like Ernie, just grab your lunch, just go eat. And I was thinking, motherfucker, can't you see him being bullied? He can't grab the lunch, okay? <laughs> you can't just grab it and leave. Just see him being bullied. All right, you blind. Yeah. So our boy buddy, he's all pissed off. He's like, come and take it. And then he pulls out his little switch knife. All yeah. right. And then they taunts him some more, and then he cuts the food down. And eventually they get into a brawl. Like he pushes Arnie over, and then um, Dennis and Buddy scrap for a little bit. Dennis actually gets a good punch on him. Teacher comes by. I guess he's the shop teacher. You know, you know, telling all of Buddy's friends to go to his office. 
And I this is when I noticed like the the taller one of Buddy's friends with like kind of yeah. like the the ginger hair. It's fucking dude mm-hmm. from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, the nerd guy. All right, I was like, oh shit, he's showed up in this movie, and he didn't do it. He didn't do jack shit in this movie. He was just there. No. Okay. Yep. It's <laughs> good what happened in, in yeah. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah. But, well, he he it was more present in that movie. Um, that's true but he, but he was still like a background character in a way but but yeah, I was like oh shit there he is cause I yeah, the guy has like a kind of a neat looking look about him he's like uh, it's weird cause he's, he looks like a nerd guy but they had him part of Buddy's bullying crew <laughs> right he plays like a different yeah. kind of role than he than he, we expect him to yeah. after having seen him Friday the 13th Part 2 so I believe the the fatter one of Bully's crew was Stephen Tash, and like he grabs De- after Dennis like punches like Buddy, he grabs him, he chokes him, mm-hmm. he grabs his dick. Yeah, Allison, have you ever fought somebody and and got him by the chokehold and just grabbed her dick? I was gonna actually ask you the same question. <laughs> like, is that something that people used to do? Yeah, I mean, that's like how you, you just that, grab somebody's yeah. dick. You just grab the dick, brother, and just know. fucking just go at it. Like, I mean, I could mm-hmm. see like kicking somebody in the balls or something, or punching him in the dick or something if you have to. But no, like, just grab I just shit. can't imagine like grab that motherfucker. He's like, I'm taking that shit with me. This be yeah, that that accept album should be playing through this entire <laughs> scene. I think, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just like I just can't imagine that. But I get, I don't know. It's a movie. Maybe it's like you know. I mean, it's a movie thing. I yeah. have no idea. So the big thing is the teacher tells Buddy to go to his office and Dennis reveals that Buddy had a knife and Buddy's like kind of like pushing back to show him the knife and he eventually does. So now he's going to be in deep trouble and he's going to get revenge on both Arnie and Dennis one way or another. Yeah, I was a little shocked at the scene at first because I didn't realize the teacher didn't know he had the knife. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, like 1983 is a wild west. Wild like west, you could bro. pull a knife... You could pull a switchblade on somebody and yeah. you just get sent to the principal's yeah, office. Like now office. you'd Yeah, like now you'd be suspended forever. Yeah, probably. If you could up. even come back to school. Yeah. yeah. So they're driving and then Arnie wants to see the car. Mm-hmm. All right. So he goes up to this like house of this car that has a for sale sign on it, but it's like a car is all fucked up, piece of junk. It's the same car yeah. from the beginning. Takes a look at the car all over and stuff. It's all old and shit. And he and he tells and then like he he was wondering like Dennis is like this shit ain't gonna turn on and then this old guy shows up he's like yeah it'll, so it'll turn, turn on. on it'll turn on brother all right and, uh, and he turns it on and then they start negotiating a price for it and Dennis is like man, man you don't want to buy this piece of junk shit you don't want this he's like yeah I'm gonna buy it and he eventually said I was like, I think it's on two fifty to buy the car yeah yeah because he tossed him down for three hundred yeah. And this is the one also to the old guy says, like, you know, my, my brother loved this car. Because they're asking, like, you know, mm-hmm. why is the car all in bad shape and stuff? It's like, well, my brother loved this car. And, you know, he, they're like, well, why is he giving it away? He's like, well, he's not here right now. He's under the ground. All right. So the car has mm-hmm. been sitting here and stuff. So if you want to buy it, you can. And he loved that damn car. So they, and it's they, still it's still not it's still 1978, right? Yeah, yeah. This is all 1978. Yeah, yeah they didn't move again. Yeah. So, um, three hundred dollars in 1978 is like having thirteen hundred dollars today. So yeah. he bought that car for thirteen hundred dollars, essentially. Not bad. 
Well, okay. it was it was all kind of like junked and fucked up. So, so Dennis is all like trying to basically talk Arnie out of it, you know, because Arnie he's like what I think he said he was like sixteen at this time, sixteen, seventeen. So he doesn't even have like he a, says he's seventeen. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't even have he a driver's license. A yeah, he can't register a car and stuff. So Dennis is also telling the guy, old guys, like, hey man, don't show him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And the old guy's like, you don't know half of what's going on around here. I was like, what the hell? So now Arnie is back with his parents and they're fighting about him buying the car and then the mom is blaming, blaming Dennis of not trying to stop him. And Dennis is like, I tried to stop him. He's like, well, you didn't do hard enough. All right. And then Arnie goes on saying like, you know, I've done everything you've ever asked for me. I joined the chess club. I'm a nerd and shit. Can I just have one thing mm-hmm. in my life, a car? All right. And they say no. And they're like, no, and you can't do it. And he just runs out of there and he goes away. And he leaves because he's all pissed off because he just wants one thing in his life. But I can get it. You know what I mean? When you have controlling parents like that, you just want one thing that's yours. Yeah, one shitty car. One shitty car. So he brings this car to the garage. And this is actually my favorite scene in the movie. Because I like like little funny old men. <laughs> like this guy yes. this guy remind me of you know what this guy remind me of Allison? He reminds me of you. Um, when, I don't know you're going to say how, that. He reminds me of you of what you want to tell retail customers on a daily basis. Okay, that's what he reminded me of. <laughs> so they, 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 they get into the, the garage, right? They had to honk their horn to get in. The guy comes up. He's like, what, what do you kids want with that hunk? Turn that piece of junk off here. All right? If you don't ever put, uh, what did he say? Put something on the car again. I'm going to kick your ass out of here. Listen. Yeah. I don't trust you fucking kids at all. All right? You got hard-working people that come to this gay garage to fix up their cars. Not all you fucking rich yuppies out here. All right? And then they're like, it's like, listen, if you want to do the cars over here, you got to do two things. Stay quiet and no smoking. And then it's like, well, all those people are smoking over there. You better shut your pie hole. <laughs> I was like, it's not my fault. I hate people, bro. I was like, but, this um, guy is Allison Spirit. I was like, <laughs> doesn't Arnie say I don't smoke? <laughs> I think it's all going on. Like he, he he even go he went with the Arnie's to like he's like telling customers this. Like it's like two customers. Like Arnie's like you look like a little creep. <laughs> you like look like a little creep. Like a little I don't want you creeping around my garage. All right. Why? So my question is, why is the garage open this late? Fuck, I don't know. Like, it's after dark. I yeah. mean, I know it's in November, but, like, it's, you know, past 6 o'clock or whatever. Why is it? Why can they even go to the garage this Well, maybe late? they're open until but, 9. So, mm. Maybe they're open until 9. But, like, so basically the garage, I don't I don't know if a real thing like this exists, but see if I'm understanding this correctly. So the garage is a place that you can rent a spot and you work on your own car, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he doesn't fix the cars. Yeah, he doesn't fix like it. He, he just like, rent it. You know, but he has a bunch of junk stuff. It's yeah. kind of like a junkyard, but you but you can rent yeah, a spot he, in the garage to fix your own car. Yeah, and then he and then he, and then because he tells Arnie that he can get parts out of the junk. Yeah, so basically he he does his business for the working man. Like you know, probably he probably gets a lot of mechanics. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't want to go to like the dealer or some shit to fix their car, so they'll come there to fix their own car. That's why he was saying like he he caters to the blue collar. So he doesn't want some yuppie rich kid to come in here and start, you know, you know, taking over yeah. and stuff. 
Yeah, because definitely a rich kid would drive a car like that. Yeah, sure. exactly. He did also say, he did say like, yeah, I've I seen somebody, I knew about this car. Like, I know somebody that died in a car like this before. So we're, we're kind of hinting about who the previous owner was. Yeah. All right. So now Arnie, he is, uh, they drive back after they leave the car there. And he's all like, you know, Arnie has a head home and stuff. And he's like, and then Dennis is like, you know, wh- what's going on with this car? Why do you like this car so much? And I was like, well, you know, I like this car because, you know, it's ugly. Just like me. And then Dennis says a word I can't say in 2023. I just say it starts with, <laughs> I just say it starts with yes. Q and R. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is 83. Gotcha. And then they, uh, then they're, now they're back. And now we're, you know, this is the next day. We're back at the junkyard. Old guy comes up to the Arnie. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. this guy was my favorite guy in the movie. Right? I don't know. Right, what was his name? He had a name. He owned the junkyard. He was, um, oh God, uh, Will. Yeah, Will. Will. Yeah, it was a Will, Will Darnell. Will Darnell of Darnell's Garage. Yeah. He goes mm-hmm. up to Arnie. He's all like, "Hey, I just because I agree for you to have the car here doesn't mean I can you can go, you know, go say you know dig gold mine over here digging through all my parts. All right, I didn't give you permission to go through my parts for free." All right, and he's all like, listen. Well, we can make yourself a deal over here. And I mean, how about you to, you know, just uh, clean up a little bit and do a couple errands from for me over here, and uh, I'll let you dig through my 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 parts over there. All right, and then you can fix up your car. And I was like, well, you know, I thought, you know, I thought you had all those parts. You didn't want anything to do with them. He's like, well, just because I didn't have anything to do with them doesn't mean I'm gonna give you for free. All right, so how about it? How about you? We'll make that deal if you do some work around here, like clean the toilets, do my, you know, do some deliveries for me and stuff. And then Arnie's like, oh, I don't know, man. I gotta think about it. The old guy's like, it, <laughs> and he was all like, think about it. Well, fucking don't think about it too hard. I'm gonna kick your ass out of here. I was like, yes. <laughs> too hard. <laughs> so Darnell's a little bit different of a character in the book. So. That what what your what that and that scene kind of alludes just to what Darnell's like in the book. Um, Darnell's like a criminal who smuggles things. Ah, gotcha. In the book, and Arnie ends up working for him to like smuggle like cigarettes or something. Um, so uh, so that's kind of that kind of like alludes to what what to the book a little bit, but was changed for the movie. Yeah, because this one Darnell who's just a nice, well, very wordy, mouthy old garage owner guy mm-hmm. yeah he's very curmudgeonly very grumpy yeah. so now arnie gets in the car and he's playing the 50s music yes because that's all the car plays yeah okay. and then at this time lee points out later yeah and then <clears throat> i guess somehow like arnie's changing because he doesn't wear his glasses anymore now which mm-hmm. is semi strange i guess the car has magic powers where he can change you physically too was that ever explained? Yes, so in, because was I explained in no, the book? No, but uh, I don't remember it being explained in the book. But I mean, the car does have all kinds of magical powers. Yeah. So now we have Dennis and his crew. They're at the library. Mm-hmm. They see the new girl, right? And then one guy he tried to like ask out the new girl, but he got turned down. So now, now Dennis is gonna try, and the guy bets him one dollar mm-hmm. that she's gonna turn his ass down. So one Dennis, whole dollar, one whole dollar, brother. It's kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> Jericho and Christian bet from that yes. a long time ago. 
my wrestling fans out there now. But uh, he's walking by in the fucking, uh, what's her name, Roseanne? She's all eyeing yeah. him. That's all, that, that, That's like her character. All her character was booked for was to look at Dennis all sexual. Okay? Absolutely. So he goes on by here, grabs a book, goes, sits by Leanne. Roseanne's like, what the hell? She doesn't even say anything. I guess she just looks upset. And then Dennis says, hey, you like dancing? You like going out? How about we go out and dance? She's like, oh, I can't. I already got a date. He's like, with who? <laughs> and then he just leaves. And then he has to give the guy a dollar because he got uh, he got denied from Leanne. And then now we have Dennis at nighttime. He's going to go to Arnie's house. And the parents are mad at Arnie. You can hear them leaving and stuff. And Arnie runs into... Um, he runs into uh, uh, Dennis, and he's like, oh, shit. And Dennis like, oh, you got no glasses no more. He's like, hey, man, I can't make it. I got some stuff to do. I forgot. And he's like, all right, man, that's cool. That's what Dennis says. And then um, and then the mom was like, hey, did you make plans with Dennis, and now you're not? What kind of friend are you? And then Arnie's like, hey, just get off my back, man. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm mad. Get yeah. off my back. Yeah, because I'm mad. Get off my back, man. Yeah, get off my back, yeah. And so, like, the mom's, like, very concerned about Arnie because he's acting different now. And she's asking Dennis, like, you know, what, what's going on with him? He's like, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. She's like, oh, I'm just getting kind of worried about him. And I fuck, ever since he got that car, he's changed. And I found out some crazy news when we went to get the car registered. Apparently, the, <clears throat> the former owner in the car died from carbon monoxide poison. And he's like, yeah. And hold on. And then, and then Dennis like, does Arnie know? And then Mom's like, Arnie doesn't know anything. I was like, what? Nothing at all. What, what? What does that mean? He doesn't know anything. Was he brain dead now? <laughs> does he have carbon? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he has carbon dioxide. Yes. So I was a little confused at this point in the movie because now his parents seem like they're nicer. You yeah. know, and they're like on Arnie's side. When you first meet them, they just seem like complete fucking assholes. Yeah, I know exactly. Like you know, like like when they're um, um, uh, damn, what's his name, Dennis. So like they blame Dennis for Arnie buying the car. Yeah, you know, and he's because she even like he looks like I mean he plays that so well because she like looks at him. She's like, and you, how could you let him do that? And he like looks around like, is there somebody behind me that she's talking to? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like how is it his fucking fault? And yeah. then, you know, and she's just like, he's just like, I think I'm going to leave. She's like, that's a good idea. Like, it's unbelievable that she would blame him for Arnie buying the car after he tried to talk him out of it. So his parents just come across as complete assholes. But in this scene, we're supposed to like believe that they're like looking out for Arnie's best interest or whatever. It's weird. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The, the progression of the parents is kind of weird. Um, yeah. So now we have Dennis. He goes visit the old guy who Carney, for who Arnie bought the car from, which his name is George Lebe. Mm-hmm. And he's asking like, "Hey man," he, he finds him. He's like, "Hey man, I know about your brother." He's like, "Okay." He's like, "My brother was an asshole. All he cared about was his car. All right. He that's the only thing he ever cared about in life, and he died the same in the in the car too, and everything." You know, he was just yeah. telling about how that this basically this car like possessed him and everything, and how like everybody died the same way. Like his daughter died in the car, and his wife died too, all from the, the possession that he had with this car. All right. Mm-hmm. 
So now Dennis goes to see, goes to the garage and looks at the car on its own. He tries to get in there and the car starts playing music and he leaves. So now we're at a football game where Dennis, you know, he's the, I guess he was the quarter. No, he was the he was running back. No, no, yeah. no. He was a running back. Cause Is, he, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. Because he was the one running when he got tackled. <laughs> All right. Okay. I couldn't remember. I couldn't no. remember if he was like tackled cause he was about to throw the ball or if he was, no. he was going to, he was catching it. He was he catching got, it yeah, yeah. You're right. He was going to catch the ball. Okay. So they do a play, and before they do that, uh, the, Ernie's car shows up all red. All right? And we have the whole crew there. We have the Roseanne girl. She's doing her character, staring at Dennis. We actually have Buddy and mm-hmm. his crew, like, just at the football game, hanging out. Yeah. And, Even though they tried to stab uh, yeah. the, the running back like a week ago. Yeah. But, well, yeah. it was funny because when the car pulled up, you know, Buddy's game was all like, hey, isn't that Ernie's car? Like, yes. And then one guy was like, I know where he keeps it. So it's kind of like a mm-hmm. red herring for later. And then uh, they do a, a play. Dennis gets distracted. This is kind of like a wrestling match. Dennis gets distracted by Ernie mm-hmm. bringing out his date, which his date was Liana. Le- and yeah. he just brings her out and starts making out with her. And like, it was so weird. Like, he just parks at the football game at a random parking space. Gets Leanna out. They start making out, and then Dennis gets tackled and injured. All right. Yeah, and they're playing football in the daytime, which is weird. Like, we why are they playing football? Well, in the you daytime? know, it's the uh, the early game. <laughs> High school football games are on Friday nights everywhere. And they're so they're they're playing in the middle of the day somewhere. Yeah. Well, this some one is 1978, brother. It's a little different. <laughs> we got curfew. I guess so. Right. I guess it was. So I did like him when he got tackled and hurt, but his crew was all happy. Like, yeah, he deserved it. So now we're in the hospital, all right? And apparently, like, this is, like, Ernie's third time visiting because Dennis was, like, knocked out so much. And apparently Dennis can never play football again because he's too injured now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's also really weird because he just took a basic hit. Yeah. I mean, not that it couldn't happen, but, like, he just took a basic hit, and now he's fucked for life. Well, it's interesting, too, because apparently he's injured to play football, but he can use a tractor later on. Or a bulldozer. Oh, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, he doesn't get as hot, you know, you don't get hit, like, in a bulldozer like you do. I mean, he's not, he can't not do nothing. He just can't play football anymore. All right, so now he's also like, hey, what's going on with you and Leanne? And And then Aaron starts bragging about, you know, hitting her up and everything. And they talk about the car a little bit and how fast he got it fixed up. All right. And he's just saying, like, you know, it's just unfortunate that I can't keep it at home. I have to keep it in the garage the whole time because my parents. And he starts going off about his parents. He's like, I just don't get parents. It seems like they're just here to threaten you the whole time. And then he takes off. Well, his do, his do seem like that. Yeah. Mm. So now we're at a drive through in the rain. All right, Ernie and Leanna start kissing. My boy goes for the goes for the titty and the piss, and then he gets denied. And she's like, "I can't do this," and she runs out in the rain. So it's like, "No, oh, man, we're so close." So but he's out there. He's like, "She's talking." He, she, he, they're talking to each other in the rain. He says, "Like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. it's all good. I'm sorry about all that." And then Leanna just goes out another way. She's saying, "You know what, Ernie?" I think you're doing this because of the car. 
You know what I mean? You love the car too much. You don't care about me. You just care about the car. And I was just thinking, so he loves the car so much that he's going for your tit? Okay. Interesting. So, you know, she's basically blaming the car of how she of how she feels like Ernie cares more about the car than she does uh, her. And I was like... Which, which is true. Have you met some of my friends? <laughs> brother, I'll tell you that for sure. That's a that's a guy thing, especially in Texas, brother. Okay. Yeah. So then they go back in the car and they're arguing about the car some more a little bit, and then like she she's basically saying like you know she's like this car she feels like the car is a girl and like she the Arnie's cheating on her and Arnie's like this just is a fucking car and then like he sees like the windshield wiper is breaking a little bit so she he gets out of there and tries to fix it and then the doors lock mm-hmm. music turns on this 50s music and then Leanne starts choking on her on her burger and then Arnie tries to get in there he can't get in there like there's like this shining light in the car while her choking she's stuck in the box the car and eventually yeah. a stranger comes out does the Heimlich maneuver on her Ernie gets all upset because he can't tell what's going on. He's like, like, get your hands off her. And then he realizes like he's he was actually trying to save her, save her life by doing the Heimlich maneuver on there. Yes. This scene looked really cool. I really like oh. the way the they had the big light, the bright light shining inside the car while she was choking yeah. the car was killing her. Looked fucking awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> he takes her home and everything, and then he starts to apologize about, you know, what happened and everything. And she's and she's like, you know, this the car man it's like changes you and stuff all right he's mm-hmm. like listen it's not that like i apologize and I, I didn't realize you were choking but i'll just i'll take the car i won't use it as much and we can hang out so he drives the car back to the gay garage but during this the the buddies bullying crew that's why i named him they all mm-hmm. show up and they sneak into the garage and then um ernie leaves and Ernie also too, you know, during this time he actually takes the uh, the boss's car here and there too. So he drives his car for personal stuff, but he takes the boss's car for all the errands. So that's how he can get from garage to home all the time. Yeah. So now they just have a bunch of smashing weapons. <laughs> okay. So I thought <laughs> like I thought something was like crazy was gonna happen in this scene, but they basically just show up with all these weapons and they just fucking destroy this fucking car. They just radio comes yeah, on, destroys it. They just beat the shit out of this car. It was pretty crazy. It's kind of like reminds me of that Street Fighter game where you gotta beat up the car to go to the next level. Yeah, yeah. It was and, and they just smashed the car to pieces. Yeah. It seemed like it looked like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, just beating that shit car up. And then like uh, so now we see that um, it's the next morning and Ernie is waiting for Leanne outside the garage. And he was just going to go in there and check on... He forgot his wallet's in the car. Because remember, he said he wasn't going to be using the car too much to take Leanne around. But he forgot his right. wallet in there, so he just wants to go grab the wallet from the car. And of course, when they get in to the to the place... You know, oh, he's also saying too, like, hey, you know, I have a really good idea, Leanne. Why don't we both try out for the same colleges? So if we get it, we can still be together. Uh-huh, huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. So he sees the car all fucked up. It's like, oh, fuck. And then Leanne's like, well, what the fuck just happened? And she goes to talk, touch him a little bit. And he's like, keep your fucking hands off me. Get out of here. She's all pissed. So now Ernie is at dinner. All right. And he blames his mom for for this to yeah. happen. Because they remember, the parents didn't let him keep Christine at the house. At the house. Yeah. Well, he's not wrong. Yeah. 
So, and the mom's like, well, don't be blaming me on, on this stuff the whole time. And uh, he's like, mom, somebody took a shit on the dash. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at this part. Like, they shit at his car. Not even, like, in the seat, but they shit on the dash. <laughs> like, I was like, they shit on the dash, man. I was like, okay, that's wow. so random. And then, like, okay, then yeah. I was like, listen. Me and, my, me and your mom have decided to buy you a new car. It's like, and then Ari's like, well, that's what everybody wants. It is to me not to have this Christine car. They just, they, that's what everybody wanted in the first place, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. And then dad's like, listen, you've been kind of an asshole lately. All right. And then, like, then he basically, Ronnie just wants to leave. Okay. And, he's, and he basically tells his parents to go fuck themselves and he leaves, right? And the yeah. dad's like, hey, you need to not talk to your mom like that. You need to go in there and apologize. And he's like, keep your fucking hands off me. And then he eventually like takes it down, chokes his ass a little bit, and like says him mm-hmm. to calm down. Yeah. It's like, damn, that's a pretty intense moment. Like, damn. Yeah. With, so uh, now that Arnie's like a badass and not a nerd. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, he's a badass now. He's he's, he's fully. But, uh, I don't give a shit mode right now. All he needs <clears> is a leather jacket. It is good. <laughs> well, I was gonna mention the clothes he's wearing because I think they look weird, and I, I guess maybe they're like popular nineteen eighty three clothes, but. I mean, he still looks like a fucking nerd, even when he's wearing like this is nineteen seventy eight jacket is with the oh, it's not. I forgot it's nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. But yeah, he's wearing like that jacket with the popped up collar that was a or big whatever. Thing back the in the day, brother. Wearing. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I wear my pop up jacket all the time. I got one on right now. <laughs> I bet you do. Right. I, I, that would not surprise me at all. So like, Ernie goes back to the garage, right? Mm-hmm. All right, and then he is. Uh, He's there, he's just looking at the car and everything. So he goes back to the garage, right? And he says, like, talks to the mm-hmm. car about working together. And then he's like, car starts fixing itself a little bit. And he's like, oh. It's like, okay, show me. And then, like, the car, like, fixes its whole self. And our boy Ernie so, is, like, super, like, excited about it. Yeah, is the car talking to him? No, well, no, it's like, it's, it's, it like turns its lights on and stuff. Like it was, it might play some fifties music or it might like turn its lights on and stuff. Yeah, but like when he turns away from the car and he's like, "Show me," yeah. like it makes it sound like the car said something to him in his mind or whatever. I guess maybe in his mind. But remember, like too, maybe like, the car uh, said, "I can fix myself" or whatever. Yeah, there was a line too that Leanne said, like that while they're making out, every once in a while the mo- the, the the car will play this music and stop, like it's angry. So. Yeah, yeah, because she says that it's like the car is jealous. Yeah, so because uh, like sometimes it'll it'll just stop playing the music or yeah. whatever. So now we see Stephen Tash, the fat one, a buddy's crew. He's all like in an yeah. alley. He gets dropped off by like a truck, and we hear some like fifties music. And this is when we see the Christines all made up, like the car is like, in perfect condition now. All right, mm-hmm. and it chases him all throughout. The uh, the the alley. All right, and I believe I got the guy's name, right? Uh, is yeah, is the fat one. So he's running. They, we basically have this whole big chase scene during the whole time, and eventually he gets ended up in like a little corner, and he thinks like mm-hmm. he, he 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 thinks it's uh, uh Cunningham, Ernie Cunningham. He thinks he's in the car. So he pulls out a, like a weapon to, to get him, but then the car actually crushes him by destroying its sides and like running him into it. I thought that was pretty creative. Yeah. 
because we now know yeah. the car could just heal itself yeah, it can heal whenever itself. it wants. Yeah, so basically, you can if it damages itself to kill somebody, it's fine. Yeah. So now it's November twenty third, and Dennis is still in mm-hmm. the hospital. All right, and he gets visited by Ernie. Uh, Ernie's asking about um, the what happened. You know what happened to the uh, the fat guy. You know the guy that just Stephen Tash. What happened to him? And uh, and he says, "Hey man, I heard your, your car is all messed up." He's like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about my car. It's it's perfectly fine." All right. And they talk about um, their buddy and how and how like you know how his crew. Uh, you know, if their car is fine, they might go after the car again. He's like, "Don't worry about. It. They they won't do it. They I don't have to worry about it, buddy. They they won't have. I don't have to worry about them going out my car ever again." He's like, "Nope. Happy Thanksgiving." I was like, "Sweet." Holiday movie, brother. We got a Thanksgiving reference. Yep, and uh, this is and this is the scene where he pours the beer in the glass and it without turning the glass to the side and just all foams all the way to the top. Yeah, it's like come on. Yeah, man. that annoyed me. Like come on, learn how to learn how to yep. learn how to pour a beer. Yeah. So then we meet Detective Rudy Jenkins, the police detective, and he wants to talk to Ernie about uh, where he was last night and about the guy who died. And he was saying, like, hey, man, your car looks pretty good for having some shit on the dash. He's like, <laughs> I, I, he's like I knew all this information because your girlfriend, Leanne, uh, Leanne told me. And he's like, oh, Leanne's not my girlfriend. He's all like, I, she's telling you stories, man. They didn't fuck up my car as bad. I was like, no, they, he, she said she was pretty uh, honest about them fucking up your car. She saw it with her own eyes. She even saw the shit on the dash. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, shit wipes he's like, off. He's like, man, you must be a hell of a, uh, 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 was it a hell of a, um, a fixer-upper, you know. What I mean, he must be a hell of a, uh, mm. you know, hell, you did a hell of a paint job on here too. Yeah, because well, yeah, because Arnie's like, well, he's like, actually, can't you see where the uh, the paint on the door, yeah, is a uh, different color? And he's like, no, not really. Yeah. yeah. So he's starting to figure out that something's fucked up. Yeah, with some, Arnie yeah, some, yeah, something's fishy going on here. Something's not right with this. And of course, Arnie says, "You're not arresting me. I'm going to be leaving." So he leaves. And so now Arnie calls up Leanne, gets mad at her for stuff for calling the police on him, and he's all like, first he apologizes, then he gets angry at her, apologizes again, and eventually tells her to go fuck off." Yeah. Right. And so now we have, so now we have, uh, Buddy's gang. They're in a store, right? So all like just hanging out in the store. Doing gang stuff in the store. That's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say. They're just the gang. They're in the gang doing the gang yeah. stuff. So they get they're getting followed, right? And they're gonna go meet their other friend, who mm. is the guy from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. He's working yep. in a garage. Just just so happens to work at a different garage, different garage too. It's more like one of those gas station garages. So they're gonna yes. go pick him up to go drink some beer, but then they start getting followed. Okay, and they start playing chicken with this car. But of course, the car is pretty, you know, basically Christine is following them right now. So they follow him all the way to this garage. And uh, Buddy gets out and says, hey, man, this motherfucker's been following me and stuff. You know what I mean? And then they, they both get out of the car, and then Christine just runs right into Buddy's car. And, you know, they're all like kind of shocked. And then he's like, man, I'm going to fucking kill this person in the car. And then Christine runs 
uh, the car, Betty's car, into the garage where the guy from Friday Part 2 was in. Gas spills everywhere and the whole place blows up. So we had this big ass explosion. And I thought this scene was fucking awesome where the car like comes out of there and it's all like fucking on fire, on fire and shit. I was yeah. like, fuck. And then Blade's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to run. So he like runs out of there. <laughs> and then you get that fucking cool ass scene where this car's on fucking fire running to chase running down, down Buddy. The highway? Yeah. Oh, damn. That shit looked great. Oh, I remember God. seeing that in the trailer. Yeah. I thought, oh, my God, this looks amazing. Yeah. And I was listening to like how they did that behind the scenes. Is basically it was a guy who was in like in a fire suit, like this like high end yeah, fire the, suit with oxygen doing it. Yeah, and the car yeah. was actually on fire. See, now yeah. they would just drive the car and put fucking CG flames on it, and it would yeah, all look like shit. Now but back then, you had real, real fucking fire. Yeah, and that's why 1980s movies are better than movies from today because oh, yeah. he was real fire. Yeah, and like he was saying too, like the guy who was doing the uh, the stunt for that. He said the first scene that they filmed was the car going into the garage and blowing up. And he said like he was supposed yeah. to back out and then you know do the whole back out sequence. But he said he was right in the middle of it and the car stalled out. So he, not only is he in a burning car, but he's also in a burning building as well too. And he had to like figure right. out how to get out of there. But he said like it took him a couple takes and a couple different cars to get that all perfect. And I was like, fuck, man, that shit would have been scary as shit. But he actually said, like, driving in the at nighttime on the hallway with the flame wasn't mm. that bad. It was just very hard to see. I was like. Oh, yeah. I would have yeah. so. So the flaming Christine so. eventually just runs over Buddy and then burns up his body. So all the people, all the Buddy, buddy crew, all right, it's all, uh, it's all dead. And, of course, Buddy thought it was all... Um, Ernie during this whole time. He thought it was Ernie in the car. So now the car comes back um, to the garage. The car's all burnt and everything. It's all burnt up and everything. And the old owner there is... Uh, the, the owner's there. Uh, Will. Darnell's there. And he sees the car parking itself and everything. And he calls up somebody. He's like, hey, is uh, does Ernie have my own... Uh, is Ernie Didn't Ernie borrow my station wagon? They're like, yeah, yeah, he did. He's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> And he gets his shotgun. He goes up to the car. And he tries to open it, but it's hot. He eventually opens up the car. He gets inside. He doesn't see anything. leaves a shotgun there. All right. And then Mm -hmm. I believe music comes on. All right. And then he eventually closes the door. And then he gets killed inside the car. Yeah. So he gets in the car. No one's there. He gets in the car. Sits down. Radio comes on. Door locks. And he gets killed. By the seat pushing, yeah, it was like the the seat pushed up to to squish him and uh, against the dash into the yeah, in, yeah into the yeah or the steering wheel or whatever yeah. yes. So now Ernie shows up the next morning, sees a bunch of police around there. Cops ask what he was doing last night, saying like he was doing like he was doing like shipments for uh for for Dar for Daryl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you got receipts? He's like, yeah, I got receipts. He's like, well, why didn't you come home? Why didn't you come here last night when you were done? He's like, well, I was tired. I was like, well, we found him dead in the seat. And he's like, but he was like actually kind of confused at this time. He's like, well, I didn't do anything. And I have people, you know, around me that says, you know, I wasn't here. All right. And then Ari's not really sure what's going on. And he's like, listen, guys, I got to go to school right now. Okay. So it's like, okay, just drop off your stuff and you know so it's like yeah i just so basically like it was kind of weird during this time because ernie was 
he was like semi sad, but he's also like, yeah, I just need to get out of here type of thing. So you couldn't tell if it was like Ernie doing the whole killing like or not. So yeah, like, yeah, because at this point we thing. still think it could be Ernie in the car, right? Yeah. So now Leanne calls Dennis. Uh, this is like a happy New Year's thing going on. Right. right. It's like during New Year's time, you can see a tree in the background. There you go. And yes. And Leanna calls Dennis and tells him about, you know, talks about Christine, the car, and told him, um, told, and then eventually Dennis says, like, yeah, the guy who used to own the car and stuff, like, his daughter choked in the car one time. And Ernie, and then, like, they basically got to meet because since he heard that, she, she thinks something's up at the car because, you know, she choked in the car and the daughter choked in the car, too. All right. Um, so now they're, they're talking about uh, Ernie, all right, and then how, like, he's changed because of the car. And mm. basically, Dennis says, like, okay, well, I'm going to go visit um, Ernie for New Year's, all right, and I'm going to talk to him about this. And Leanne's like, listen, I think, like, he's, like, far gone right now. Like, he's, he's kind of, like, just, just worried. I think the car is changing him so much that he's, like, super different right now. And he's like, well, don't worry about it. If the car is, you know, changing him a lot, we'll just destroy it. Yeah, we'll just destroy the car. Mm-hmm. No problem. And then they are outside, and we saw one Christmas light. So that makes this a Christmas horror movie. <laughs> it, yeah, uh-huh. we full, firmly established it's a Christmas horror movie. So now, uh, now Arnie picks up Dennis, and they're about to go to uh, Ernie's uh, holiday party, I guess. And Ernie's like, "Hey, you know, th- my car is your car. How about you have a beer?" Okay. And so they they okay. drink a beer. And Allison, have you ever heard of Southern Cross beer before? I haven't. I noticed that though. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't think it's a real beer. So I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know if it's a real beer, and I didn't get a chance to look it up. But, but it may it or may not taste like Budweiser. <laughs> it might. It very well might. So now he's all talking about, yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna fucking uh, death to all the shitters of the world of 1979, brother, because I'm a rebel now, because I'm in a car. <laughs> yeah, you're saying rebel without a cause. That's me. All right. Do you want so to now? He has a now? cause. And then th- he wants to toast to right, and then Dennis is like, "Yeah, I can't toast to that." He's like, "Well, why not?" He's like, "Well, I'll just toast to us being friends." He's like, "Okay, we'll toast to that then." <laughs> and his car too. All right. He said, "Like you know, that girl with Leanne's like she's pretty worried about you." And he's like, "Oh fuck Leanne." All right. And then he goes on like run like Ernie's going mm-hmm. on. He's like, "You know what? I don't need Leanne. Like, there's nothing like being behind. You know." Of your own car, car. You know what I mean? It's all about Christine. It's all about... It's, it's a, being, being, this line right here was every car dude's line I knew in my life. Like, they would definitely say this. He's like, yeah, being behind the wheel of this car is better than pussy. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, say so. So now Dennis, uh, he's a little worried about our boy Arnie. So now Dennis, he meets Lyanne, right? So now, like, I guess, like, they, they came up with the inclusion, like, yes, Ernie is fucked up, and we got to get rid of this car because this car is making yeah. him evil, okay? Because all the shit this guy was saying. So Dennis meets with Leanne at the garage, and it's all empty and stuff, and they come up with a plan to get this mm-hmm. bulldozer, and they're going to lure him um, into the garage, 
um, Ernie or the car? And she's like, well, what if Ernie doesn't come? He's like, don't worry. If Ernie doesn't come, Christine definitely will. Yep. Okay. So they know they have an idea that the that the uh, the car can drive on its own. Yes. I guess at this point. Yes. They kind of got all this figured out of how everything's been changing, and they were seeing how all this stuff was like because like, when Dennis was driving with Ernie in the car, that he could tell like the car was like taking all uh, taking over a lot of the stuff here. Yeah. So now uh, he wants um, he wants and th- for some reason Leanne and Dennis they're all like touching each other like, the whole time like I thought they were gonna be fucking in that bulldozer. All right, so well, yeah, they kind of it kind of is implied that they're like yeah getting kind of attracted to each other. Yeah, it's like well, fuck, what, okay. So now he tells Leanne to go hide in the office, and then she goes to hide in the office. She drops down from the bulldozer, and the, and Christine's there. She pops out. Mm-hmm. And then Christine tries to run over Leanne, okay, and uh, it misses her a couple times. Um, and then Dennis uses the bulldozer to kind of like trap her with its uh, uh, shovel, and Christine tries to break through through there, but she can't. The Christine car can't uh, can't run Leanne over, right. right? And then this is when Dennis uses the uh, the bulldozer to kind of like smash up Christine, but then Christine keeps fixing fixing itself during the whole time this is happening. And they, they thought they got the car one time, so they were about to go near the office, and Christine actually runs into the office, and this is when we see we can see Aaron pop out of the windshield, because he was in the car the whole time. And then he uh, uh, looks kind of sad when he's looking at Leanne, and he has a big piece of window glass through his stomach. And he gives yeah, he's one peeled in glass. Yes, and he touches the car one last time. And this is also too. This is when Leanne gets away, and then Dennis gets the bulldozer again, and pretty much like does crushes the car as much as he can. Like he's like big, big, beating the car as much so it can't move at all. And then this is the next morning when they make the car into like a cube. Yeah, they cr- they take it to a. I don't know how they get. Well, I don't know how that happens. Well, it was probably in the like, junkyard. Why does the car? Well, I mean, yeah, it is. But why does it's the next day? Like, why does the car not just repair itself? Yeah. Oh, they did mention um, too when they first entered the garage how empty it was because you know the owner died, so I guess everybody took everything away. Yeah, but yeah, they crashed the car into a cube. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they hear uh, like a 50 song playing. Yeah, but it was just the, the workers playing the song. But it was just the worker playing <laughs> it on the radio. Yeah. Then and the, then she leans, leans, leans like, I hate rock uh, and roll. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking weird. Like, I hate rock and roll. Like, bitch, I want rock and roll. It's some 50 shit. And then uh, the police calls them heroes as well, too. But they don't feel like heroes because they couldn't save Arnie. Okay. Mm. And then they get closer to the car. And then you can hear, you can see the car moving a little bit for a sequel that we won't yeah, get. Yeah, like it's starting, like it's starting to repair itself. Yep, for a sequel that we won't get exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so, Christine, that's it, everybody. What do you think? I actually thought it was pretty good, like a nice little story. Pretty good, you know, it's not really like scary or anything like that, but it's kind of like a, you know, a little obsessed guy obsessed with this car movie. You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, like it looked good. Like you could, you could tell. John Carpenter directed this. Yeah. Like some of the scenes where Leanne is running through the streets looks like a scene from Halloween. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like she's run the 
the characters running through the street and then like the the and then I guess they're using like a steady cam and then the camera's moving with her, so it's kinda like you see the background moving and the characters moving. Uh, that's a very John Carpenter shot. Yeah. And that's uh, there's a lot of that in this movie. And then the scenes where it's in the dark and the car's on fire, that's a very John Carpenter scene. Um, yeah, I think he did a good job directing this. I mean, it's not one of his best movies by any means, but um, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's a good story. You know what I mean? I like it. Yeah. Especially really big in the cars and scary shit. So. Mm-hmm. It's a nice one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're rolling around with these uh, holiday horror movies. So everybody check it out. Christine, definitely a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, really good music, too in this uh this particular film but uh but everybody join us here next week on the retro blood where retro blood will be coming out on christmas eve doing our annual christmas show and we haven't told you guys what this movie is yet so i'm going to break it here for everybody come join us as me and allison will be drinking our stout beer talking Mm -hmm. all about gremlins Ooh, it's gonna be a special one Fucking Gremlins, brother. I Great movie. Love Great this movie. movie. I used to watch this movie all the time when I was a kid. I've been waiting yep. to talk about it forever. I was trying to find a good place to talk about it. And I was like, there's a little Christmas shit going on in Gremlins, so we're doing it for our Christmas episode, brother. Can't wait. Yep. It takes place during Christmas. Yes. And Christmas movie. Yes. Just like Die Hard. Just like a Die Hard, brother. It counts. Yeah. And if me and Allison have the time, we will let you guys know we're going to do a little special lights out. Um, I, we're probably going to do a lights out if we can about the new movie to hit new horror movie to hit on shutter. And it was in theaters for a little bit too, even though it got destroyed probably by Thanksgiving. It's a wonderful knife, brother. It's a wonderful knife. So if we have time, we'll drop that on the feed. So we got all your holiday joy. And of course we will tell you about our new year's plans as well too. But, Allison, let's leave everybody with a little bit of uh, the music on here. Yeah, except. Except. Balls of the Wall. Balls of the Wall. Let's play the title track, Balls of the Wall, because yep. let's do if it. anybody was Balls of the Wall, it was our boy Arnie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking got the car, got the lady, got the attitude, eventually got killed for it for loving his car too much. Loving, yeah. loving that horsepower. You know what I mean? It destroyed itself. And he was... Uh... And whichever one of those guys took a shit in the car was like probably balls to the dash while he was doing that. So. Exactly. But everybody, we will see you next week for the Christmas episode. Gremlins, Jay Austin, James Klein. See y'all later. See you guys and don't shit in a car. Yeah, on the dash. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. 